The Trump administration is planning on ending limits on child detention of migrants caught at the border. The Flores Agreement is a 1997 court settlement that sets rules for how the government must provide a minimum standard of care for children in custody and prevents the government from keeping them indefinitely. The Trump administration's new rules will be formally published on Friday and will be challenged in court. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton. And this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Kate Morrissey, you cover immigration for the Union Tribune. And right now, the discussion that's happening is about the Flores Agreement, which explains how long children can be kept in custody. Why don't you explain, how did this agreement begin? So this agreement has been around since the 90s. It uh, originated with a group of attorneys acting on behalf of unaccompanied children who are being held in immigration custody. Mm -hmm. And the government settled with with this group as sort of a class action settlement and said that uh, there were certain stipulations that they would have to follow while children were in custody and that they would try to get them out of that custody as, as quickly as was reasonably possible. Um, later on, a judge determined that that time frame is 20 days, which is how long the government said at the time it would take to to process people through that temporary custody. And this uh, kind of stayed as it was until the caravan before the caravan arrived in the Obama administration, right, with the, those unaccompanied minors? There there were a lot of unaccompanied children who were coming in 2014. We definitely saw an uptick then. Um, I know there was some discussion of trying to change things about the settlement at that time, but the settlement has held strong through a lot of the different uh, attempts to change and tweak it to make things um, more flexible for the government. Mm-hmm. Um, the The settlement has sort of held to the standards of these are children, you're holding them in custody, this is the way that you have to do it. Um, And based on what we've seen during this administration with previous attempts to try and renegotiate things with the judge, I don't see that changing from from, just from the judge's perspective on it so far. Mm -hmm. And what exactly does the Trump administration want to accomplish with this rule change? So throughout the Trump administration, we have heard officials railing against this settlement, saying that it is this huge loophole, that it is a a magnet drawing people with children, Mm -hmm. and saying that uh, word is spreading in uh, countries in Central America that if you bring your children you will not be indefinitely detained because you cannot be indefinitely detained uh, with a child. And so we've seen a number of strategies already from the Trump administration trying to uh, change this narrative that they say is is out there. Um, that arguably uh, was one of the the factors with zero tolerance, which led mm-hmm. to family separation, which led to parents being held indefinitely while their children were um, held in separate facilities and and all kinds of things. And what does the Flores Agreement 
explain when it comes to how children must be treated in shelters because there was those stories several months ago of children being kept in in squalor conditions and there's reports now of disease in some shelters as well. So what's interesting is that as part of the Flores settlement, attorneys and um, other sort of practitioner-type folks um, periodically tour all of the places where children are held in immigration custody. And they make reports on those places. And it is from some of those reports that a lot of that news broke about Mm -hmm. what the conditions were like in some of those temporary holding facilities. Around that time was was the same point when uh, government attorneys were arguing that it wasn't necessarily uh, a requirement to give children toothbrushes or soap. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did see quite a bit of public outcry uh, when that surfaced. We've seen we've seen over the last couple of years, sort of sporadically as these attorneys are going into these spaces and and doing reports, we've seen several reports saying that the government is not following the settlement, asking the judge to bring the government back in line with the settlement. Um, I remember report, like, I remember as soon as the group that toured one of those facilities in particular got out, there were people immediately jumping on their cell phones to alert the public as to what was going on in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was a whole different level of terrible from the kind of critique of conditions that we had seen at other points. Mm -hmm. And that really dominated the national conversation for some time. But what are the actual legal mechanisms that could prevent this rule change from going into effect? So the same judge who's been sort of overseeing these negotiations and implementation of the settlement will have to approve the rule change in order for it to go into effect. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens when that happens. Additionally, is there a sense that these series of policies meant to dissuade individuals from coming to the U.S., is that having any effect of people who are willing to risk their lives traveling halfway up a continent to try to get here? I mean, we still have a huge line of people in Tijuana waiting to ask for asylum. Um, We still have people crossing the border every day to ask for asylum. We saw over the summer the numbers of people caught crossing the border illegally went down some. Um, It's normal for it to go down in the summer. It's really hot in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Officials uh, pointed to increased enforcement in Mexico, sort of under the pressure of the Trump administration, As the reason for part of that drop, I think we're going to have to get further into the fall and winter before we really know for sure, because we also had uh, some of the hottest months on record this Mm -hmm. summer. And, you know, it's hard to know how much of one thing versus how much of another thing really made a difference. Um, The program that I anecdotally have heard referred to the most in terms of people who are giving up is the Remain in Mexico or Migrant Protection Protocols Program. Mm-hmm. And that's the program that says if you want to get in the line for asylum, you have to wait in Mexico for your hearing, right? Mm-hmm. That's the one that keeps everyone 
in Mexico waiting for their immigration court hearings and shuttles them back and forth across the border for months waiting for those to be finished. Mm -hmm. And it seems like with all of these ongoing controversies is that it's like a constant back and forth with the administration and the court system in a sense. Yeah. So I don't think we've seen an immigration policy come out from the Trump administration that hasn't been immediately challenged in court. The unique thing about this particular policy or rule change is that there's actually already a court case in place that it will go straight to. There doesn't need to be a new court case filed in order for it to be reviewed by a court. So recently there was a story that broke early this week from national outlets that's saying that even in places in San Diego, people are coming down with diseases that are preventable, including the, the flu, and the government has said that they're not going to vaccinate them. What are the legal mechanisms that allow the government to deny care like that in a place in which it could easily spread? So when you're in the government's custody, whether that's immigration custody, whether it's temporary or long term, whether it's criminal custody, the government ultimately decides what happens to your health care or the the third party company that actually owns the facility that you're in if you're in um, like a private prison. And so um, there's a lot out there about people not necessarily getting all of the health care that they uh, need or that they think they need. And, mm-hmm. and for me, this is another one of those things. And it's particularly striking given that they've had um, deaths of children in immigration custody because of the flu. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a flu outbreak here in San Diego in the shelter of migrant families who have been released from custody. That was because they were sent on a plane from Texas after being medically cleared to fly to San Diego, but still were had had the flu, mm-hmm. and and that was allowed to spread to to others. Um, while they were in custody here in San Diego. Given the other things that we've seen from the government about the choices that they make for people's medical conditions in custody, it's not surprising, uh, but it is something that could have a pretty dramatic effect. Yeah, in a sense, it's like an ongoing kind of game of chicken, in a sense, of trying to establish policies that would dissuade individuals from coming to the U.S., but trying to find what the level of acceptability that systems in place will handle. And I think what makes that even more um, poignant to come back to this this new rule that's been proposed as the way to get rid of Flores is that under the new rule, licensing of facilities would happen by DHS. In, mm-hmm. in, and so it would be policing itself and overseeing itself in terms of what conditions would be allowed to be like and what kinds of decisions like that would be allowed to be. And just looking at the way that it monitors some of the other detention facilities, for example, immigration detention facilities that hold adults, we've seen a lot of questions coming out about medical negligence. We've seen lawsuits even just in the last week. There's a major lawsuit filed on that topic. And so there's a lot of people who are really concerned that if this department is going to be policing itself about the conditions of children, what that will really mean for what those conditions look like. And what would that mean for transparency? I mean, it's difficult 
to know what's going on in those places. It's difficult to get access to those places. Right now, because of the settlement, there's a team of attorneys who have required access to those places on a periodic basis. Mm -hmm. And without that, we wouldn't know a lot of what we know about what's happening as it stands. All right. Kate Morrissey, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news, a San Diego judge has granted a request to force-feed an immigrant detainee on a hunger strike. The 41-year-old Russian man hasn't eaten since August 4th, and U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has asked the court to allow a forced medical examination and feed and hydrate him if warranted. It isn't known if the detainee has legal representation, and it's unclear if he's seeking asylum. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. This Saturday, the San Diego Union-Tribune is hosting the Festival of Books at Liberty Station. Hear from famous authors including Edith Eager and Luis Alberto Urie. For more, go to uniontrib.com slash utbooks. Until next time.